Hey teachers, I hope you had a lot of pie. It was a great Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Now it's back to work. I'm Brother Lawson and Brother Wing is here with me and we're doing the thing that we do on Fridays. And how you doing, Brother Wing? How was Thanksgiving? Oh man, delicious. You can tell I ate a lot, probably. By what you... I look like or how I sound. I know you were you were thinking about you were talking to me earlier in the week about having maybe steak instead of turkey at Thanksgiving. Just, what an awesome idea to have steak on Thanksgiving because I'm so thankful for steak in my life, and <laughs> it was just such a great idea. And then you know I talked to Heather about it, and you know we kind of deliberated for a while, and then Heather, you know, made some decisions, and we had turkey <laughs> on Thanksgiving. I sense that your feelings are still close to the surface, so maybe we'll just we'll talk about that maybe a little, a little bit later on. And but uh, but I think you made the right decision to not uh, throw too big of a fit about uh, not having steak. So yeah, it was it was a win win situation. Yeah. Really. Oh, good, good, good. Thanks, Stephen Covey. All right. Well, uh, this. This week in seminary, holy cow, let's just go ahead and, and throw the kitchen sink at the kids. There's a lot of stuff coming up this week, uh, all kinds of stuff. And we could get overwhelmed by it. Let's just be overwhelmed by it. Let's just, let's just choose to be overwhelmed by all of it. Remember, uh, with all the stuff that you have going on, teachers, it's conversion that matters over coverage. And so... Don't go to bed at night feeling guilty, like, oh, I didn't tell them this one little thing, or they didn't know, like, they, hopefully, I mean, if we're effective teachers, this is not going to be the last time they ever study the gospel or the history of the church. So, with that said, what do we got coming up on Monday, Brother Wing? So, on Monday, you got a lot, and, you know, really, there's two things to be aware of here. We took content from the week of Thanksgiving, and and pushed it into this week, November 29th to December 3rd. So technically you don't teach, you don't have to teach this. Like the, the way that seminary aligns with come follow me is you just teach the weeks that of classes that you have. And so, but we decided that since this was, you know, 135 with the martyrdom and 136 with the Trek West, that that's kind of important stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, you probably do want to teach it, but you don't have to. Um, but if you do teach it, you got to be aware that this kind of squeezes this week. So Monday, you got three lessons that are all kind of church history lessons, succession in the presidency, leaving Nauvoo and the trek across Iowa. And um, so it, it's a lot of stories uh, or uh, in some cases, doctrines, like especially succession in the presidency. There, there are stories that go with it. Um, and there's way more information there than you can cover in a, in a one in one class. So my recommendation would be that you go to the church history topics uh, in the gospel library app, and you're going to find topics on each one of these, uh, each one of these issues. You got, you got one that's called succession in the presidency or sorry, succession in church leadership is what it's titled uh, there. And so, I would maybe you could divide your class into three groups and then they could just start reading through uh, these church history topics. And, and then that, that way they can get a little background on this. Um, and so uh, that might be good. By the way, the other one is 
go to Nauvoo Temple for the church history topic on there. Uh, that would be the other one. And then there's one on uh, the Trek West or the Pioneer uh, Trek, I think is what it's called. So uh, let your students kind of go into those church history topics on the Gospel Library app, get some background info um, and do that. Another idea then is, you know, because really what's what's most important? What do you, you want to talk about Nauvoo Temple? Do you want to talk about how God calls prophets? Do you want to talk about the sacrifices that the saints made as they were traveling across Iowa and and that, you know, it might, you just kind of roll with what the students think is best. But I do think that the students need to understand the principle about the succession and the presidency and uh, help them see it's in the, you'll see it in the lesson material, in the teacher manual, but help them see that the, when the first, when the president the, dies, the first presidency is dissolved. And <clears throat> And uh, then the quorum of the 12 leads the church. And so it's a really simple uh, organization for this. And you can kind of know who's, if President Nelson were to die today, well, who's the president of the quorum of the 12? That's the guy that's going to lead the church. And we know that that's President Oaks right now. And that's why they'll say that Elder Ballard, President Ballard is the acting president because President Oaks is in the first presidency. But um. One cool thing to do would be like show uh, your students the first presidency and quorum of the 12 as they are right now, and then talk to them about this seniority. And the only thing you need to know is that President Irene goes right in between Elder Holland and Elder Uchtdorf. Mm -hmm. And so if President Nelson were to die today, the seniority is already set. You know, you got President Oaks and then President Ballard. Elder Holland, it would be then Elder Irene, and then Elder Ugdorf, and on and on down to Elder Suarez. And so, really simple, really clear. Who the senior apostle becomes the next prophet, and um, and that's the case with when Joseph Smith died, the the first presidency dissolved, the um, quorum of the twelve leads the church, and Brigham Young is the president of that quorum. And so. For us, it's really simple, but the first time it happens in this dispensation, not so simple. And the teacher manual kind of tells you about these other debates about it, whether it was Sidney Rigdon or James Strang or whoever else. And I don't know how much detail the students are going to want to know about that. But the thing that they need to know is that God calls prophets and the system uh, for establishing the next prophet is already set. And it's super simple. Yeah, that and that might a lot of the stuff may just be interesting for your students to know, and that's totally fine. Uh, but they might uh, they might have questions about they might you know when they learn that there's a whole bunch of breakoffs of our church based from uh, this moment in church history, uh, like you were saying, James Strang. There's a lot of people that follow James Strang, and Sidney Rigdon started a church. In fact, that church still exists. A lot it confused a lot of members when when the church when president Nelson um, implored us to use the correct name of the church. And then, and we went from LDS.org to church of Jesus Christ.org. If you type in the church of Jesus Christ.org, you find Sidney Rigdon's church. Right. And so, um, so there's, there's all kinds. And, and where, where I live in Missouri, you know, you go up to up in Kansas city, you can just drive down a street and you can see a whole bunch of different churches. All of them are different restoration branches that have 
broken off here and there. And, and that might be interesting to your students. Uh, I'm not sure what questions that they would would ask, but um, but I think if you teach that that doctrine clearly that um, that the succession goes with the with the president of the the quorum of the twelve. That was where was it that Brigham Young was? Um, Brigham Young led the church as the president of the quorum of the twelve apostles for probably about three years after Joseph died, and it wasn't until we get to Council Council Bluff, Iowa, that he is that the first presidency is is organized again. And so um, now, nowadays it happens a lot quicker, but the church is always going to be led, whether the first presidency is intact or the quorum of the 12 uh, is intact, the church is, uh, the keys go with, with the apostles. And so the keys are never, are never lost. You can't just decide who has keys and stuff like that. But I liked in section 136, uh, are you, oh, do you have more stuff to say about that, Brother Wayne? Do you have some other ideas? No, I do with 136, but not with that Monday lesson. Okay. That's... Well, let's, let's talk about 136. You know, one of my favorite verses that I think you can get a lot of mileage out of, that's kind of a pun there too, is verse four. Uh, when, um, when the Lord says, and this, this shall be our covenant that we will walk, or the Brigham Young says this to the saints, we're, we're going to walk in all the ordinances of the Lord. And they did walk. And we know the Nauvoo Temple was filled with people uh, just day and night wanting to, to participate in those, those ordinances uh, before they left. It's, it's interesting to consider just a thought here, teachers. Why is it that the saints wanted to um, wanted to receive that gift, that perpetual gift, otherwise known as an endowment, before they left? They were about to embark on a on a pretty adventurous and serious trip, uh, and they needed the power that came from Heavenly Father in order to to do everything that they were going to have to do not just on the trip, but when they got to where they were going, they needed that, that power. They needed the, that endowment in order to accomplish that work. So I love that verse four. I think uh, your students could consider that as well as what, what does it mean to walk in all the ordinances of the Lord? Uh, looking forward to those and participating in those and keeping those. What do you got for, what's a good scripture feasting idea for section 136, brother? When you got anything good? So um, the context, like if you've done taught Monday with the history, it really does set up the discussion in section 136. And they need to know all three of those things. You know, Brigham Young's leading the church. That's important. Uh, the uh, Nauvoo Temple and how they're going on this journey and they've, they're leaving the temple behind. But most importantly, they have received ordinances there in the temple and endowed with power. Um, and then it was super hard getting across Iowa, like it was crazy hard. And so they get, they get to, um, you know, winter quarters, council bluff, like the week, you know, that area. And, um, and they have to kind of hunker down for the winter. They can't just like make it all the way across. Of course, I think it's also true. Like they don't know, they don't know exactly where they're going, you know? And I think even Brigham Young gets some criticism 
from others. Like, you don't know where we're going, Brigham, you know, and <laughs> Brigham's basically like, isn't he like, I'll, I'll know it when I get there. It's all by revelation, you know, but that's the thing. Like these people had faith, mm-hmm. you know, they had faith that they were following a prophet. I mean, some didn't have faith and they left. And in fact, this revelation section 136 is kind of a, uh, some people leave because of it, because it's not like explicitly where they're going. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, here's how to get there type thing. And we'll, we will get there. And so exercise some faith and some do exercise faith. Many do. They, they walk in the ordinances of the Lord, you know, but um, I do think it's really cool. Then once you got that history and you kind of see that um, it is Brigham Young is lead the church and revelation does come and, and saints rejoice at this revelation. Uh, it's a time of change and it's a super uh, difficult time. They've been driven from their homes. They go to winter quarters and stuff and council out there and they're dying there. Like they get really sick because it's really tough. They have to build a city really fast and super cold and they get, there's lots of diseases and um, it's a really hard time uh, to be there. And yet the prophet speaks to the people to comfort them and to help them. And this revelation comes. So like, think of a time in your life when you had to make a big change, you know, and it was hard and it was in some cases overwhelming or confusing or what uncertain, like what's, what's even going to come of this, you know? And that's, that's kind of how the saints were at this time. I can only imagine how difficult it was for them. Um, so a, a cool, like uh, take their situation that was super difficult. Then we have changes in our lives so let's look at section 136 as, as a look for principles about how to navigate these really difficult changes uh, in our lives. Difficult, confusing, even sometimes heartbreaking changes that have to be made in our lives. Uh, look for principles there. And so, you know, for some of your students, it's, it's, they've, already had, they've already done things like this or they're about to do it. They're going to go on a mission or they're going to transition to college life or some of them had to had already big changes with like family changes, you know, divorce or death or big moves, you know, that they've had to make in their lives. And so what does the Lord teach us about how to make these changes that might make it relevant for our students? Um, and uh, they can read these, these verses with that context. Yeah. I think, especially for these, uh, for students who are, who are in high school or maybe some of you Institute teachers, if you're teaching this, uh, just just having them ponder and think about their own circumstance that they're in they have there's there's things that are coming in their future there's there's a promised land in their minds right whether or not that really is the problem like the promised land might be going on the mission or the promised land might be graduating high school or the promised land might be having a family member finally join the church uh all all of these journeys that they're on they're, they're they're we're acting in faith trying to get to that spot just maybe like i like that question of what does the lord wants to know about about uh preparing for these changes or what does the lord want us to know about preparing for this journey that we're on trying to get to the temple trying to maybe one day get married or have a family um if you read if they read instead of the them there then of section 136 if they read with the me here now like the lord is preparing me for a journey what does he want me to know well i know in verse 24 he doesn't want me to be drunk right but but he also has a lot of other stuff 
uh, for me to know. He, my, my words need to be edifying, right? And, and I, think, I think your students will have a glorious time feasting in section 130. They're going to find tons of stuff in section 136. Your job as a teacher then is not just to say, hey, good job. That's, that's a great principle. Like, that's a good thing to say. But also say to them, how do you think that's going to work? Like, what's that going to look like in your life? How are you going to do that? What are some things you can start doing today to make sure that you are following that, that counsel of being prepared for this journey uh, and have them think of some intentional righteous actions that they could engage in right now, right now. Uh, and so that when they leave seminary, they have like a checklist. All right. I've got some stuff to do. I got, specific things i can work on today all right anything else with section 136 it does tell us what to do if we're really happy in a good mood it does verse 28 oh yes if you're married praise the lord with singing music and dancing yeah man that's (laughs) i don't know about the dancing part i like the singing and the music parts but yeah, and it has the word Thanksgiving in there, too. Yeah, so. gobble, gobble. All right, so uh, section 137, you might remember, you're significantly older than me, Brother Wing, but you might remember when uh, section 137 became part of the, the Doctrine and Covenants in 1976. I believe you were, were just getting ready to go on your mission. Uh, and the... Uh, we were both Cactus. born. Yeah. What's that? We were both. We both had been born by 1976. Yes, yes exactly. We've both been born. Yeah. So uh, this is a section 137 and 138. We're just kind of thro- we're thrown in the Doctrine and Covenants in the 1981 edition, but they were ratified in 1976, meaning they became canonized scripture. That's kind of a cool thing to 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 read about how those, how those came uh, to be part of our scriptures. But uh, up until, I mean, consider this, up until uh, 1976, 1981, section 137 and the, the knowledge about the spirit world and uh, section 138, those were kind of, it wasn't, they were referred to and taught, but it wasn't nearly as emphasized as it is today. And, uh, there's I, I was reading in the revelations on con, uh, in context for uh, for these sections. Um, and I think it's remarkable. I think section 137 goes along great with section 138 because section 137, Joseph has this revelation where he sees the celestial kingdom. And he sees Alvin there. He's like, Alvin, what are you doing there? Right. You you can't be there. You weren't you weren't baptized. You didn't have the gospel taught. And then section 138, we have. The gospel being being taught so i'd encourage you teachers to read i could tell you the whole story about it i'm not going to but it's really good it's really good this lady goes over to uh uh president smith's house to get a, a box of apples and she ends up learning about the the work for the dead in the spirit in the spirit world i think there's a great implied principle there by the way so so you can check that out so section 137 Let's talk about scripture feasting uh, for that one. That's a that's a beautiful. This is one that your kids are really going to like because we all kind of want to know what the celestial kingdom's like, and we don't know 
a lot about the celestial kingdom, to be honest with you. So just a word of caution. Remember, we don't know a lot about the celestial kingdom. So so your kids are going to ask lots of questions like, can we fly? Are the streets made out of chocolate? All these things. And you can answer. You can say, hey, you know what? Brother Lawson said that uh, we don't know a lot about the celestial kingdom. And uh, but we do have we do have section 137. We got some stuff in section 76. So how would you approach section 137, Brother Wayne? There's a little, uh, this might be interesting to your students and it might not be, but it's just an idea, but you could set up section 137 by just asking the question, what percentage of people born on this earth do you think mm. will end up going to the celestial kingdom? <laughs> That's a good question. And just see what they say. Or is it, what do a, they say? It'd be a better question if you said, what percentage of people in this classroom do you think are going to make it to the social <laughs> I think the take it broad and big, it's a little safer probably. <laughs> but <laughs> in this classroom would also be a fun. I get their attention, I guess. So, you know, wake yeah, them up. You could say, you know what, as a teacher, I mean, that would get their attention real quickly. If you said, you know, I think that seven out of 10 of you are going to make it to the celestial kingdom. If you just said something like that. And then, right, yeah, just let it yeah. sit. You won't we get should any probably edit parents. this. We should probably edit this part out of our podcast. Yeah, we should probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, see how see how engaging this question is. Yes, that question. All of a sudden, people they're talking now. They're oh, yeah. into this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, it's obviously it's not like we have an answer to this question. Um, but section one thirty seven would help us kind of inform our answer just a little bit more you know and uh and what joseph learned about the celestial kingdom that would help and so you could just kind of you're obviously not going to try to lead your students here but you can just kind of say hey what what does section 137 do to help us guess about this the answer to this question and Mm -hmm. just see what they have to say that might be a good scripture feasting intro into section 137 I think that as you, I think that as you're uh, a great question to consider from section 137 as well is what do we learn about, what are some implied principles that we learn about the Lord and some stated principles? Like we learned that the Lord is the judge, right? That's, that's an important principle for our students to remember the, you know, maybe your students have had friends or family members that have, have passed away and they think, oh, they're going to the terrestrial kingdom or wherever. Guess what? They're not the judge. They don't, they don't have the, that's, that's something that the Lord gets to decide. It's not something that we get to decide. So you'll, you'll see that in, in verse nine. I love in verse nine that it says uh, they're judged according to their works and the desires of their heart. I think you can get some mileage out of that because um, that's going to, I think that that can go both ways, right? It's, it's, it's possible to have uh, really good works and not righteous desires, that's a little bit harder. But it's also, uh, you might struggle to do good works, but your desires are, are really this. So you might be able to have a good discussion with your students about, uh, about being judged by the Lord according to not only your works, but also your desires. So there's I some like good that. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I have a story for you to transition from 137 to 138. It, it better be. Is it a ghost story? No, not a no. ghost story. <laughs> okay. All right. Not about death either. But on Saturday, I went to a birthday party of, you know, my daughter 
had a friend who was having a birthday, invited her over. And <clears throat> I thought it was a drop-off thing, but it wasn't. You had so, to go to the party? I had to go to the, I thought I was dropping her off at the party, pick her up a couple hours later. Didn't know the family exactly, but found out it was not a drop-off thing. The parents were to stay. So I go in and I'm with all these, you know, all these parents, I don't know them, but I'm just kind of <laughs> eating hot dogs, <laughs> talking it up. And all the moms were inside and all the dads were out on the back porch. So I saw the social rules of what was going on and I went out on the back porch. And so me and the dads are out there just talking it up and they're very nice guys, super nice. And they asked me what I do for work. And I said, I work for my church. That's my kind of go-to answer. I don't know what you say to that, but yeah. it's really awkward to try to describe what we do to someone <laughs> right. who's not a That's member of the true. church, but it's awkward to describe what we do to members of the church. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot we're going to have to edit out of this podcast, I think. But anyway, um, they asked me what I did. And so they're like, so when I say I work for my church, they just automatically said, what church? And then I said, the Mormon church. Just kidding. I said, the Church of Jesus Christ, <laughs> Latter-day Saints. I said, the full name of the church. And um, they, and, you know, a couple of them were like, oh, yeah. Like, they knew, they were very well aware of the church. And um, and one guy then asked this question. He said, hey, I see you're building a temple up there in Bentonville. Uh, what's the difference between a church building and a temple? Wow. That's a great question. Yeah. And so when's this guy getting baptized? Because <laughs> I know you gave him a fantastic answer. Yeah, well, I tried. I tried. And I just think that before I finish the story, I just think this is the part for our students that um, this question is going to come up more and more. I think, especially for those of us in Northwest Arkansas, but probably too for the greater area, they're going to, the question about temples and why we build temples or what's the difference between a temple and a church, you know, that question is going to be asked to us in greater frequency, I think, as mm -hmm. the closer the temple gets built. And so we need to be prepared to have an answer that's short because mm -hmm. I don't think he's wanting a big discussion there, just a short answer, but also one that's uh, understandable and, and not weird, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> the, that, uh, that we can just give an answer. So anyway, I think with section 137, when we talk about, you know, uh, who's, who's going to be who, basically, who's going to make it to heaven, you know, and, right. and that, and then also with section 138 with work for the dead, you know, that comes into place. And then how do you kind of synthesize that into a simple answer on a back porch, eating hot dogs, you know, and, and, uh, I just said, Hey, we believe that, uh, God makes a way for everybody to accept Jesus, you know, and that some people didn't get a fair chance on this earth to accept him and, and receive what he can offer. And so we believe that God's fair and loving to all of his children. And so work can be done for them. Like if, what if they want to get baptized as a, as a witness of their belief in Christ, can they still do that even though they're dead? Mm -hmm. And we say yes, because I can go do it as a substitute for them. So we do work for the dead there, like baptisms. But we also do marriages that forever, 
you know, that not just till death do you part. We believe that husband and wife can be married forever. And so, and for the first time in my life, I called him this. I said, so we do forever marriages in the temple. I called them forever marriages. It just came out of my mouth. I don't even Mm -hmm. know if that's the best way to call them. But anyway, and that was it. That was my answer. And he goes, oh, so that's like the main two things like that you do there. And I was like, yeah. Good answer, Winger. That's not bad. So it was real quick. Anyway, but this is all doctrine that we get here. Section 137 and 138 and a bunch of other stuff. But this is we're going to synthesize this knowledge into a concise answer for our friends. And I I love that. You know, it's interesting because sometimes it's hard for us. We we it's easy for us to see the me here and now, and and we don't, uh, it's hard to see the future and it's hard to even see the past up until section 138 was get, was given and known like, uh, used generally like in 1981, which is not too long ago. I still listen to music from 1981, but, uh, but temple work in the church, like the kind you describe work for the dead, uh, that was not like, it's not nearly what it is today as far as the engagement of the members in that in that work. Uh, in fact, there were the the genealogical society of the church would send out uh, these these warnings to, to members like, hey, we're out of names. We're out of names to do temple. Day. Like you can't just show up and, and do a name because we're out. And so you need to use your own your own family names. But not a lot of people were going to temples. Of course, there weren't there weren't a lot of temples around, but, but just the general idea of going, doing work for the dead was totally uninteresting to people. I, even as a, even uh, growing up as a, as a kid, uh, you know, I'd live five minutes away from a temple and it wasn't, we, we went and did baptisms for the dead on occasion and things like that, but it wasn't a, a regular thing. Your, your students are growing up in a temple generation uh, and and so they might kind of take it for granted and, and we might take it for granted, but up until, up until section 138 was widely known and, and used and accepted by the church, family history work was, was not a huge thing. It's interesting to consider that this section, section 138 was given, I mean, was received, this revelation was received in 1918, right? But it's not till 1976 that it's ratified and then all of a sudden, in the late 70s, we start hearing about things called personal computers. And, and President Packer is just uh, pleading with the genealogical society, like, how can we make this easier for the members? Can you explore maybe looking at how computers might help, the, might help it become easier? Now, your students, and one of the things you might even uh, do in class is have them on their family search app, if they, log, if they can log in, within you see who can find four names to baptize the fastest like i could do it right now in 30 seconds i could open my app hit ordinances ready and find four names to go uh be baptized for right now that's crazy that's crazy when when you consider that and so um section 138 the context behind it is is phenomenal and it's very applicable to our day 1918 the spanish flu world pandemic nobody's going anywhere like they're having general conference hardly anybody's there joseph philly smith is sick as as sick as a dog he has um he has so many family members that are dying like his son hiram dies which is just 
he describes as just a, a horrible situation for him. His wife was pregnant. Hiram's wife was uh, pregnant at the time that Hiram died. And then uh, Hiram's wife has a baby. And then now she's got five kids and she dies two weeks later, leaving five orphan kids. Right. And he has a son-in-law that, uh, that dies, falls off, falls off a of 40, uh, falls 40 feet, breaks his back and, and dies. And then you got world war one that is, uh, that's just taking so many lives. What a terrible war that was. And he's just kind of overwhelmed. He receives this revelation in October he dies a month and a half later on November 19th, uh, but he presents this revelation to the, actually it's his son, Joseph Fielding Smith, because Joseph F. was too sick to attend the Quorum of the Twelve meeting. His son reads this revelation to the Quorum of the Twelve. They ratify it. They agree. Yep, this is, this is true. This is, this is good doctrine. But then, for some reason, it doesn't become scripture until 1976 and included in our scriptures in 1981 i think my personal opinion is is i think it doesn't become scripture because the church we don't we don't have the resources the capability or the general interest uh to really engage in family history the way we needed to act upon on section 138 in in 1918 and so uh when the <laughs> When this revelation was was presented in, in 1976 for the ratifying vote to canonize it, the brethren, President Packer expressed, he's like, the brethren were so disappointed that the members of the church didn't really seem to care all that much. It wasn't like a very big deal for them to, to get section 137 and 138. But he did say, he said, there will be a day uh, in the history of this church when section 138 will come alive for the members of the church. And certainly it has now uh in 2021 so how do we approach this one brother wing section 138 with scripture feasting yeah you know you when we were talking before we started this recording you said a question that intrigued me you said what what do we what would we not have if we didn't have section 138 or it was something like that mm -hmm. and um i think what that's a great what wouldn't we know yeah what wouldn't we know if, if it wasn't for one section 138 yeah and I think, you know, that's a great question um, to, to send your students, like, go looking in section 138. What is it that we pick up here new? Like, why is this, what if this wasn't canonized or what if we just didn't know about it? What are we missing out on? And let them see what they, what they find uh, there. It really is significant. And the detail is also very helpful uh, here. And they'll, they'll see it. I have another idea, too. Or, or as they feast and after they come back and share what they found, you might as a teacher want to point out the example of scripture feasting that Joseph F. Smith. Oh, yeah, man. The original scripture here. feaster. I guess Joseph Smith was the original scripture feaster, but Joseph yeah. F. did it, too. Yeah. And so even just those first, you know, 12 verses, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do we learn about scripture study from Joseph F. Smith? I mean, that's a great. Man, that could be, all by itself. That's, that's beautiful. Those first 12 verses are just a beautiful lesson about studying the scriptures. I love that. What else we got? So I also like one of the things that, that really, uh, that you're going to want to make sure you, you point out to your students is 
is the emphasis that that this revelation gives on women right that uh that later on we have uh verse 39 who's preaching the gospel in the spirit world it's not just the righteous elders of the it's women they're sister missionaries that are going out right led by mother eve and her daughters all of all of the righteous women of 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 all dispensations are preaching the gospel in spirit prison so um i i think that's a good thing to to emphasize there like um, that. And one other idea is you know verses 16 to 37 yeah um you know we talk a lot about having making our you know showing christ-centered how Christ-centered the scriptures are and, and letting mm-hmm. that come out of the text. And we also want to talk about the, you know, the learning pattern that we talk about feeling the truth and importance of the principles that we see in the scriptures. And, you know, one way to do that is just um, you could divide verses 16 to 37 into 11 two-verse chunks, you know, just 16, 17, 18, 19. Right. And, uh, and you know, you can, if you've got 11 students, just divide them up or whatever and just say, read those two verses. And uh, what do these verses help you to feel mm-hmm. about the Savior? And it's, they'll, they'll see Christ there, but they can also kind of pay attention to how this, what's being taught there, um, or even just the inspiration behind the, the verses, how it, what it causes them to feel. And they can, yeah. they can discuss that and and sure that's another kind of scripture feasting idea that's a good or one. just an activity that they can do later that you can kind of point point towards the savior in this revelation you know you might there's there's all types of things you can do you might uh either have your students do it in class or maybe you beforehand uh print off some names of individuals who have not yet received their ordinances and put them in the hands of the kids just let the kids hold those cards or see it on their phone or whatever and just talk about those. I mean, we don't, we might not know anything about those people, but we know from section 138, we know something about them. Like, what do we know about, what do we know about Jim Bob McGillicuddy, right? From <laughs> that was born in North Carolina in 1840, right? So section 138 gives us some context of what Jim Bob's up to. And I think that might help uh, focus attention and the reality of, of the beautiful doctrines that are taught in, in section 138. You know what I just remembered, Brother Wing? We didn't, we didn't say, like, we didn't tell the teachers anything about the Utah War, the Mountain Meadows Massacre um, that go along with section 137, I guess. That, that On day. Wednesday. Yeah. 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 Right. So, you can do it with like the Utah War Mountain. These are kind of tough. Le- these these lessons kind of exist to uh, help your students learn about these these events in a faithful setting. Um, it might be you know where we live in Southwest Missouri, Northwest Arkansas. We've got a little bit of a tie-in with the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Those folks left from Harrison, right? And there's a there's a monument on the the courthouse at the courthouse in Harrison that clearly states that Brigham Young ordered the, the slaughter of all these people, which uh, we, we dispute, but your, your students are, you know, you, the gospel topics 
that we mentioned gospel topics earlier. That's going to be your friend with the Mountain Meadows massacre and the Utah War uh, when they came to put down those crazy insurrectious insurrection members of the church there in Utah. But um, but those are going to be your friends on that. You got another idea for for those lessons, Brother Wing? Yeah, I mean, in my experience, like it is, I it is nice that they're introduced to this in a faithful setting, and they, you know, they can hear it from us. It's not like we're um, gonna, you know, shy away from these topics when the students are interested. However, mostly what I found is the students are not interested, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, but I want to, I want to let them know, like it's not like it was a piece of cake. They get out to Utah and it's just a piece of cake, right? No, it wasn't. It was hard. There's still confusing things. There were still some um, hurt feelings and, and some distrust of government naturally, mm-hmm. since you've been driven out of the country and then they send right. an army out there. Like I, I can understand why the saints were a little, uh, you know, freaking out about uh, an army coming out there and that, and that, but then also when that, that a uh, wagon train comes through and they're talking smack basically about lots of things. I can see why there was some anger and some hostility and some, some, uh, uh, escalation of feelings to the point where uh, something really bad can happen. And, and obviously we know that nobody's perfect and some terrible mistakes were made by members of the church. But uh, I think it's also really clear from the historical record. There's uh, it doesn't make any spiritual sense and there's no historical record that Brigham Young ordered this uh, at all. That's, that's something that I think the students already know, but we can, we can point it out here and, and recognize that that was a really awful event. Um, and, but mostly people don't know about it uh, unless they, uh, unless they're told it by somebody trying to claim that it's something that it's not. And so that's why it's important for them to know about it. Yep. Yep. All right, teachers. Well, I think that that's a lot on your plate next week. Hope you had a lot on your plate this week. <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Did you get that? Um, I just come up with these things. I don't plan them in advance. They just Impressive. Come in yeah. All right. Well, teachers, as always, you call us, text us, email us, whatever you need to do. If you need lesson ideas or help uh, with students uh, in the scripture feasting, bless your heart for doing the scripture feasting. We just talked to, we just, Brother Wee and I went to Atlanta and talked to a whole bunch of guys that are just like us. I know that's scary, huh? There's a bunch of guys just like us, but we introduced scripture feasting to them and had a very positive response. So you are not alone, teachers. There's going to be teachers all over the the country, all over the world that are going to be, go figure, reading the scriptures in seminary. So that's, that's going to be awesome. Uh, all right. Any last words, Brother Wing? No. Amen. Good. All right. We love your guts, teachers. Everybody stay righteous.